Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Net After Net, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Mr. Fernandes and... I am Chris Jawardna. Hello. And we're here reviewing the episode, Buddy, Can You Spare a Father? from season two of Laverne and Shirley, directed by Ray Devali Jr. and written by Monica Johnson and Eric Cole. And I bet you get some information about them, don't you, Chris? Yeah, I got a little bit. Um, so the director of this episode, Ray Devali Jr., this is the first episode. He's got quite a few more um, to go for Laverne and Shirley. He did nine episodes. Um, primarily in his career, he worked as a technical coordinator for through the 80s, uh, kind of through this, a little bit of the 70s, a lot of the 80s, and a bit of the early to mid-90s, um, mostly on uh, sitcoms and things like that. So I wonder if he was kind of almost like a kind of like a stage manager for, you know, sitcoms that happened on sound stages, uh, including yeah. pretty much 197 episodes of that 70s show, which I think means that's the entire run or thereabouts yeah. anyway. Um, There's a lot of them. So that's the director. As for the co- two co-writers, the, uh, this pair, Monica Johnson and Eric Cohen, uh, did go on to do one more episode of Laverne and Shirley. Excuse me. Um, they co-wrote one more episode together, which is uh, yes. it's coming up pretty soon after this. Monica Johnson, however, would continue to write and had, uh, would also end up going on to do work with Albert Brooks, including some of his classics such as Modern Romance, Lost in America, Mother, and The Muse. Wow. Now that's a resume. That's yep. a resume. That's, that's cool. That's, that is indeed. That is awesome. Okay. This is what the episode's about. Shirley Sailor's father, Jack, arrives for a visit and immediately does what he always does. Raises her hopes, borrows money from everyone, smiles a lot, and then disappears and breaks her heart. Unsurprisingly, he doesn't spend time with her during this trip either. And when a broken heart, Shirley gets advice from Squiggy... He sends a rain in the middle of a bar brawl at Moby Dominic's in pursuit of her father's love. What do you think of this one? Interesting blend, I have to say. It's uh, there's some good laughs, but man, so this is one that kind of hits a little close to home. Just because, I mean, it's not about me personally, but it's the experiences I've seen happen to people I love and care about that have dealt with a father figure that is neglectful. Uh, neglectful at best and outright narcissistic sociopathic at worst. And when you hear enough of those kinds of stories, when you see a character like this, it's interesting that, you know, Jack Feeney is charming as hell. I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, the lines like he, you know, he never pays, but he never forgets, you know, and the way that he is able to, to schmooze up to Edna and, you know, his, his, his yeah. voice and his eyes, he understands all those things. And yet, God, what a snake. What a, you know, I mean, this is like the male equivalent of a siren, you know, he suckers you in and then drowns you in sorrow. Yep, 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 yep. He seems to be this wonderful, charming dude, and instead he is just totally, completely selfish, totally, completely self-centered. Thinks only of his own pleasure and of being a charming little dude and taking the money and running it. Yeah, that's just sad, and that's just you know that explains so much about Shirley. It does, it's yeah. Sweet. Well, I mean, and it does. I mean, I actually, I know you pointed out, and I, yeah. I confirmed it about the knock at the door. Yeah. Do you, do you want to mention that what you picked yeah. up on that? Jack's knock is Carmine's knock, exactly. Yeah. Right in. Yep. Right in. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, but it's it's just a, it, and it's and it's it's interesting how this episode you know runs up against the issue. We've we've talked about this before, where it's the it has to put a happy bow at the end of the episode, even yeah. though they're sometimes letting someone get away with behavior that isn't great because they need family to win at the end. And the yeah. catch is that realistically speaking, I mean, this is the kind of financial vampire that you just don't need in your life, you know. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, yeah. Jack is, you know, and Scott Brady plays this part amazingly. He's so good as this character, yes. but yes. that character is a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic piece of shit. Yes, I mean, it, it's the equivalent of a landlocked emotional pirate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. when we see, we cut to Shirley. So, you know, we have this wonderful introduction, you know, about yes. him and, and, uh, we get the setup with the, the guy from the funeral home coming to explain, you know, this, the family plot's being sold. And then the discussion after that, and then there's a little bit of a kind of a jump and then he shows up and we get to meet him. And then he totally charms Edna yeah. and, you know, and even, and Laverne, you know, is not falling for it, you know, cause she loves her best friend yeah. and, and says, yeah. no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I don't want that to happen. Um, yeah. We got to Shirley at, you know, having made this dinner, you know, stuffed cabbage, and she's drinking more cooking sherry. He's three hours late already. Three hours late. And I won't go into this story in depth because this is a personal story with people that I still know. But there was a one Thanksgiving dinner that that did happen with one of the parents. And um, my mother was the only one left to comfort the, the kid. Who was yeah. working in the kitchen and the parent wasn't there when they That's said they would be. So yeah. it's, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just, and, and, and that's a weird thing. It's kind of heavy in that regard. Cause I mean, you know, Laverne's loyalty and friendship is beautiful and sweet. And it's kind of, it kind of breaks your heart a little bit because yeah. you feel for Laverne not being able to f- fix it yeah. because you, because because yeah. when you're in that situation, you want to help. And it's like, there's only so much you can do. God, exactly. he just I don't know if in any other episode I have wanted more to give Shirley a big, big hug. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, there's something beautiful about the way Laverne's protecting her. She's trying to protect her. She knows it's gonna happen. It happens every time. She's probably seen this happen ever since Shirley was a little girl and they were little girls together. Right. And she's what just seen this awful, awful, constant, uh, lifelong cycle that Shirley's gone through. Yeah. And she's just like drawing the line and just saying, no, this is what's going to happen. You got to not participate in the cycle anymore. And Shirley just won't not participate in the cycle. And then Squiggy just pops in and gives her the little impetus that maybe if you do this, it'll be better. And that just sets her off. And in, in the end, it works out. They probably talk with adults. Right. But it takes a while to get there. Yeah. It definitely takes a while to get there. In some respects, I guess it, it mirrors the, um, it mirrors in a very interesting way the episode, you know, Mother Knows Best or Mother Knows Worst, yes. you know, and, and how you see, I think you and I were talking, I have some of the notes from what our discussion about how, like, you were saying that Shirley is torn between her mom's ideals and the dream of dad's love. Yes. Yes. And by, and by, you know, um, this episode, which you see is, you know, this is, this is that dream, you know, you want, you want to see that. Uh, you, she wants that. You see her want to see it, and you want that for her vicariously. I mean, yeah. I, I came to the horrifying realization that, this, you know, because I won't use this as an opportunity to get all, you know, wanting to punch Carmine in the dick, but yeah, 
but realistically speaking, you can see this is why she is with Carmine. Because to be honest, that yeah. sense of abandonment and disappointment is familiar. And that's the sad thing about dealing with trauma, especially in family, um, that sometimes you stay in those bad situations because the familiarity is comfortable and you would rather take that than be um, dealing with the unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Shirley is torn between Barb's dream that she will marry up and marry someone who is not Jack. Right. Barb just wants Shirley to marry someone who is not Jack, someone who will actually be there, someone who will support her, someone who will take care of her. And Shirley just wants her dad. She just wants her dad to love her. And that's right. the ultimate goal in her head. And that kind of, like, explains a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff with Carmine, a lot of just, like, covered. But she's caught between wanting to be her, you know, who she is, this girl who hangs out with the, the, fork, with the, the forklift drivers, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And hangs out with this boxer and this guy she, she's loved since high school in her own way. And the dream of the professional white-collar dude who's going to give her picket pets. And Jack is basically the kind of guy who would uh, fight over a woman with a forklift. He's that kind of guy. Right. He's that kind yep. of guy, and that just explains everything. That says everything you need to know. Yep. The end says everything you need to know. Ugh. And so much of this this cycle element is just really symbolized by the broken record that that gag is. Yep. And I mean, it's it's it broke my heart, and it was so weird to hear the audience laughing. Like I, I get it. Like it's being played as a yeah. bit of a gag. Yeah. But yeah. man, it just oh, that stings. It stings so yeah. much. Yeah. 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 In the end, it isn't funny. No. It isn't funny because she's literally clung to this memory of his, of his, of him mm -hmm. for years. Years and years and years and years. And all she has is this broken record playing over and over the same darn thing over and over. It's just sad. Yeah. And it's, and I guess that's kind of, you know, because they bring that back. I mean, we'll, we'll, this is jumping ahead, but at the end when he, he sings the song with her in, in the bar in Moby Dominic's, you know, yeah. that's the, the payoff basically is she finally gets to hear the song, him singing the song to her, not yeah. as a broken record, but he's there. But the problem is that he's not going to make that change. He's going to go and he's yeah. going to be gone. And we don't, I'm assuming we don't see this character again. No, we, don't, we do not. We do not. I mean, that's, I mean, for me, dramatically as a, as a writer, as a storyteller, I feel like, uh, I want something. Yeah. I want some answer, you know, yeah. but as well, it's a case of, you know, Good riddance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> closure. 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 A lot of things yearn for closure in this episode, in this series. Yeah. This is one of them. The fact that Shirley, in a way, I'm not going to spoil what happens at the end of the series. Like I said, I've said so multiple times that she gets what she wants, but on the other hand, it's nowhere near as satisfying as it should be mm. for the audience mm. that she gets what she wants. So yeah, um, Jack is the kind of guy who everybody around him adores, but the people who are absolutely close to him know what a shit he is. Yep. And the fact that Shirley is the only one who's close to him that doesn't see that kind of says it all in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. 
And we don't see uh, we don't see Frank interacting in this episode, correct? No. Um, if I let's no, he's not even in this episode. As I can remember. Mm-hmm. Which is odd, because you figure he's known this guy since uh, you know the kids were little. Right. Yeah. He knows what kind of man this guy is, and they'd love to hear his perspective on it. Desperately. Exactly. I actually have a lot. I have a note that's just simple. This is so fucking Freudian, <laughs> and so it is. This episode is very Freudian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take it um, right to this point that you know Shirley will do anything for her father to love her. And her father is kind of oblivious that his daughter loves him that much until she literally punches him right in the face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I see. I see. What, I see. What, I'm picking up what you're putting down. That's that's good. And I I see that. Hmm. And she's been and she has the line, "You've been standing me up since I was nine years old." That just says it all. It does. That just says way too much about how willing she's becoming. Almost too willing. Yeah. Almost too willing. So there's a lot of, like, non-them stuff in this episode, too. The Shirley and Squiggy dynamic is really good. Really interesting. Yeah, the whole fingernail thing. Yeah, the whole fingernail orgy thing is hilarious. It's like the, the only day we pick up manicurists and they have manicurists up there uh, doing their nails. Yeah, I gotta say, nice fingernail orgy, that is a band name. Yes! Yes, it is. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is. I love that that it's Squiggy who gives her the pep talk and it's Squiggy who um, comes up with some personal information about what his parent background, his background is like. His stepfather, we already know he doesn't get along with his stepfather. His stepfather, when he was a kid, locked him in the closet. Yeah, that's... And that's, that's why rough. he likes moths. That's why he likes moths. Ugh, it's so rough. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I'm only friends with the little moths. Gosh. Ugh. Yeah. So that means that he's been raising some of those moths for generations. Yep, yep, yep. And that's why he raises them. That's why he grows them. That's why he takes care of them. That's why he's emotionally bonded to them. Yep. And that is sad as heck. This still isn't a sad... He has a darn sad backstory. It's still not as sad as Lenny's, which is really, really awful. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, boy. Oh it's god! It's really sad and like, like it's like oh, my oh god. man. The funny goofy men have sad feelings. No, no. <laughs> but Shirley tries so hard to be tough, like, and, and, and she gets inspired by Squiggy here. Considering how repulsed she is by him, it's really interesting. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say is like you know it's it's terrible advice that he gives, but at least he's a catalyst for plot mechanics. So. At least he cares. Well, he cares in that way, and it'll move the plot. Before I forget, I have this in my notes. That I, I that jacket of Squiggies. Yes. That, that is a choice. Makes him look like Leisure Suit Larry, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. Well, I I feel like the beginning of the episode there's almost a missed hello entrance. Hello entrance, rather. Mm, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like there was a missed hello entrance because the way mm-hmm. the episode is edited, it feels like there's something missing. There's another syndication edit where they just chop something out randomly, I think. I'm pretty sure. Pretty it feels sure. like it. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah, something, there's something there. Um, yeah. 
also of a humorous note, I, I have this this spot of uh, I did find it amusing that the the record was all bent for being sent from the equator. And as, equator. Yeah, as a son of a yeah. as a son of a Sri Lankan, um, I, I find this amusing. There you go. There you go. That's I love that. That's her excuse, and it's not it's been warped from being in the basement. I have to point out that an episode after Lenny and Laverne did the laundry together, they went shopping together. Oh, they went grocery shopping together. No, Laverne apparently hated it because he's sitting in the cart making her push him around while yelling "wee." <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you're not. Hey, didn't he watch? Didn't he watch Ega? That you know, that you're not supposed to. You know, they don't say we. Nobody says we. Shut up about your dune buggy already. <laughs> so I guess if they've they've gone laundrying together, they've gone shopping together. I guess if they go to the post office, they'll be shipping together. Oh. <laughs> you you love it when I say things like that. Come on. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. Anyway. <laughs> oh i was going to mention there's a really everything about the barroom fight is a lot of fun it is the way all the physical comedy that penny does literally clinging off of a chandelier while carmine does these spinning punches in his marble shirt it's like oh god yeah that was great that was great oh the guy eating yeah the guy eating the hat and yeah oh yep I, I kind of love that Carmine's a crappy fighter. Yeah. He's a boxer. Yeah. He could be better at it. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. But, um, uh, by the way, so we haven't covered the bartender in this episode, the tattooed bartender, who's fantastic in this episode, by the way. Um, yes. I, I, I thought he was great. He, uh, he, we've actually seen him in this season already. Yeah, we have, haven't we? I don't remember what he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna double check to I'm gonna double check to make sure I'm not just blowing smoke here. Let me just double check checky 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 checky. So the bartender is played by Jack Perkins. Now not the Jack Perkins oh. for you Misties out there. Yeah. But the Jack Perkins that was the patient in Angels of Mercy. Oh, oh my. Because I didn't notice. Yeah. I mean, well, clearly he was under a lot of more makeup. And so it makes me wonder, yeah. like, were the tats there or did they have to put those on? Like, I would have, I figure by this point they probably had enough budget for makeup, but it was fun. And he was, and as I said, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He's fabulous. He also, fabulous. he also apparently was in Herbie Goes Bananas. Oh my God. <gasps> hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's very really cool. Oh, I, lo- I just I just found my notes talking about the bar fight. You know, it's Bop and the Daddy. Oh yeah. So I watched this episode with my mother, who uh, who also dealt with you know narcissistic father figures in her life and hated yeah. these, yeah. hated those types of people. So when she <laughs> when Shirley bops into Daddy, my mom said, "Good, he deserved it. He's an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> Again, your mom is fabulous. Yeah, I, Again, she your is. Mom is fabulous. And so, yeah, the it's much more kinder than my my note, which is good, Shirley. Go ahead, keep going, break more ribs. In fact, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, though, as 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 the the episode wraps up, as we were saying, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting. I mean, it's 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 a bummer. I mean, you know, I mean, he this guy asks yeah. his daughter for ten dollars for a bet after yeah. all that all of this. After yeah. being told, don't do that. I've been after told all these things. Yeah. 
and Jack will be Jack and never change. And Shirley will never let go of him. And so, yeah, God, I, yeah. I, hey, future me, I hope you're going to be putting a content warning on this one. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it, it's a kind of a bummer because I mean, I, I enjoyed the episode, but it grates on me that Gary can't let it be an actual realistic art arc. Yeah. Because, because it, and it's kind of tragic that way. You know, he has to have yeah. his happy ending. Yeah. The interesting thing is that while Laverne always has to apologize to Frank and Shirley has to ha um, have a happy ending with her mom and her dad, you will notice later on in this series, uh, Lenny never has, never has to uh, apologize to his mother for, you know, or how, his mother never has to apologize to him after what happens. And Squiggy rejects his dad his biological dad, and he never comes to terms with anything that happened with his uh, mom and stepfather. Hmm. So, it's interesting that the boys don't have to, um, you know, reconcile with their parents. They have each other. And that's the primary bond and the important bonds. Well, the girls have to continuously apologize and reconcile with their parents. I think that's interesting. It is. I don't know if there's something there, if that's just coincidence. It's, it's kind of hard to tell. I don't know if it's coincidental. I don't know if it's a uh, overall choice. Considering the way the writing went on the show, I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, so what, do you, what do you rank in this episode? I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still deliberating. Oh, this is a... Somewhere around five or five and a half. Five and a half. It feels like a five and a half. Uh, no, just six. I'm gonna go with a six. Okay. With this one. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking a six as well. Yeah, the great stuff with the boys. Great uh, emotional, you know, buttons here. Uh, Carmine and Laverne showing up for Shirley no matter what is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the bar brawl is a lot of fun. Uh, Cindy Williams really, really, really plays all the right notes. She really hits them hard. Uh, she really makes Shirley's pain completely understandable and completely empathetic and really beautifully etches that. Mm -hmm. And I really liked all the way everything comes together. But in the end, it's really annoying that she does not does has to forgive this guy. She just has to forgive this guy. She has to forgive her dad. She does not have to, you know, she tells him how much pain she's been in. And he kind of like glad handles her and you don't know if he's gonna really ever change and become a better guy. It is. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Yes. It really is frustrating. Really I think I think you pretty much covered all that I could say as well. It's it's a in, and, as, and as an episode, I, I, I guess, and that's, I think, the thing. I, I feel like some people, the mileage may vary that they appreciate the episode more because they're able to live with it or they like characters like this. I mean, it's wild when I hear stories. That's why people watch shows like The Leftovers. They love seeing people be horrible to each other. And it's like, why do you do that to yourselves? Um, and and so, you know, people, some people like this type of character enough to have, like to see them in comedy. But I guess to us, it's like it, it hits a little too close to home for me, at least. And yeah, uh, yeah. 
And so I just kind of, I don't want there to be, and it's, I guess what it is, is like, it's, it, it hits the wrong, it hits a sour note for a show that I like for its escapism. And, um, and then when it has the space to do something a little deeper, to actually make a really good emotional point, which other episodes have in the past, it, it flinches is the wrong word. Half measure, I I guess would be what it is. Cause it's, it is really, really well-written psychology for this character. And the way that I think the writers have figured out Shirley's personality, why she's with Carmine, all these like these sort of Freudian or, you know, psychological aspects as we've been pointing out, they're using it. I mean, this is not unintentional. This is not, I mean, this is too good to be happenstance. They are intentionally figuring out how to make these connective things work. And it threads it together well comedically at time at times as well also. But it's uh yeah, six, six and a half, maybe at best. But even then, the bar fight's pretty good. It's got some good stunts, but it's not perfect. Um, I did like the hat guy, the guy who was kept eating the hat. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, I, my note about that is like, sir, sir, you are not a zombie yet, sir. Please, please yeah. cease. Um, yeah. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, six, six and a yeah. half. But um, yeah. yeah, cool. I think that's, that's going to be, that's going to at least going to be it for me on me this too. one. It's, it's good. It's a good episode. It's got some good, good points. And it's got and one annoying point right at the end. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, for joining us. This was a bit of a heavier episode, a little heavier than I expected um, as we really got into it. But uh, we hope, thank you for joining us. We'll be back with more goofiness next week. And um, if you'd like to reach out to us on the internet, so you can find us on Twitter at NightFNightPC or Night After Night Pod on Facebook and Tumblr, WordPress, and Patreon. And please do definitely check us out because we would love to hear from you folks. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment of some sort, you can reach us at NightAfterNightPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And, um, I should probably just go ahead and let Lisa here talk about the next episode because uh, this this one I remember when we were we were doing reviews for this, you had us go through two whole discs in one night, one session, just so we could get to this episode. <laughs> That's because I love it very much. Shirley wins a free honeymoon weekend in a suite at the Fister Hotel, and the entire gang teams up to try to get her her dream vacation. But when the hotel's heads interfere and try to get her to do a lot of publicity work, the gang has to put their heads together and figure out how to get the most out of their weekend without tipping off the authorities. That's Honeymoon Hotel. Alright. So that'll be nice. Honeymoons are nice and romantic. So yeah. Cool. Hope everybody joins us for that. It's a. It's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a good time. I mean, you got a hotel, you got a honeymoon, you got hijinks ensuing. I think it's all good. Cool. All right. Acrobats, all that yeah. Jazz. Awesome. We'll see you next time, folks. Remember, if you have a new friend called Born to Kill, don't introduce him to your father. Bad things will happen. Mm. Bye.